Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Fay and I'm delighted as always to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst. Thank you for having me as always. And by Charlotte Dunker. Hi. You're not going to thank me for inviting you in today or? No, I feel like I'm on the reserve bench. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You're the Scott McTominay of the Manchester is Red wow, podcast. Wow, that's the second insult you've given me today. But we're not sending you out on loan, so right. that's fine. Don't okay. worry about that. The transfer window is still open, so there's two weeks for me to yeah, we'll decide to put in a transfer request. Watch this space. <laughs> I don't think it's a request if no one will take you, but. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> but someone we are keeping hold of, Samuel. It's been a busy week uh, for United on and off the pitch and Jose Mourinho has been speaking. He's got a new sort of short-term punditry role of being sports uh, and he's spoken about his well it's the first time he's made publicly spoken openly about his apart from that time Gary Cottrell uh, <laughs> accosted him on in, in uh, London uh, yeah I mean I think we always knew everybody was kind of like huddled around the being sports Twitter uh, feed around the time he was appearing on it and fortunately for us it, it was one it was in English and also they helpfully tweeted out all the clips I mean for one he seemed very very prepared for it um i mean amid all the talk of the non-disclosure act he managed to pretty much refer to united without referring to united specifically i think the you know what he said about there being behind the scenes issues and if people knew about that they'd be more complimentary about his reign there i think people kind of like knew have always been lucid to the fact that there's their problems at the hierarchical level there united are even aware of that because they plan to you know implement this new structure uh but what was quite uh, amusing i thought was when he outlined his ideal structure and he actually said that a director of football is needed which for one goes against his own history with directors of football which has been pretty fraught whether it's Valdano at Real Madrid or Michael Emanalo at uh, at Chelsea and upon his sacking United told us that the reason why they didn't have a director of football in place but want to appoint one was because Mourinho refused to work under one so there were two sides to every story so there was a contradiction there and he was, he was talking about player power and how to man manage players, which obviously he's it's quite clear he's not an expert at because that was possibly his biggest failing at United. But he brought out that quote uh, from Ferguson 2003. Uh, it, it wasn't verbatim, but Ferguson certainly said something along those lines at the time when United did sell, uh, sell David Beckham to Real Madrid uh, amid growing concerns that his celebrity profile was, was dwarfing the club. And Ferguson just said, as Mourinho did earlier this season, that no player is bigger than the club. And Mourinho's point was that that is just not the case anymore. And by that, he means it's not the case anymore at Man United because Paul Pogba is bigger than the club. And he was using that as an example that player power now reigns at United, which I think everybody knew upon with the, uh, with the decision to sack him. Because however brilliantly Pogba has been under Solskjaer and however poor or questionable Mourinho's man management was of him. This was a player who was knowingly offered to Manchester City a year ago, uh, a player who destabilised United with some very um, striking comments and mix zones this season, thinking about Leicester, Brighton, Wolves was the, the big one. Uh, Mourinho made him second captain at the start of the season. Well, he, I mean, he captained United in the first couple of games when Valencia wasn't available. And this was Mourinho's chance without explicitly referring to Pogba kind of like 
singling out Pogba for being for being a big problem at United, which he was. Um, Mourinho was was a problem as well. I mean, his, his management was incredibly flawed. But as I said, there are two sides to every story. Uh, there is going to be a point, no doubt, where he will be more explicit and go into more specifics about what went wrong at United. I mean, the interesting thing is you look at this season, United are outside the top four, just just taking away the feel-good factor under Solskjaer out of the equation. They're outside the top four. They spent the summer transfer window more time keeping players who wanted out rather than signing players. They've lost five games before Christmas in the league. The manager's been sacked before the end of the season and fans have have, have had to resort to cheering on City in the hope that they prevent Liverpool from winning the league. So we've come full circle back to the David Moyes season the only difference this time is Woodward has taken the proactive decision to sack the manager uh, before Christmas which is I thought he should have done with Moyes and that could salvage United's season it's created a hell of a managerial bounce and come May we may we, we might look back at that decision and say you know that was the making of Ed Woodward I think if United don't win anything and finish outside the top four then it's proof that you know coming full circle the system is really is broken and the biggest problem at United was not Mourinho but the board and, and maybe Woodward as well Charlotte do you have any sympathy for Mourinho I know lots of United fans that even just mentioning the word Mourinho it sort of divides them on social media some say we've had enough of him let's just stick on the on the here and now some other fans do want to know maybe what went wrong what, what the real story was but do you have any sympathy for Mourinho maybe I think it's too easy to just place all the blame at his door like Samuel said when Sir Alice Ferguson left David Gill left at the same time and that was a big um, change for United definitely behind the scenes and that's sort of been overlooked in the years since Ferguson left and it's just been no one can live up to Ferguson's levels and we're not playing that style of football anymore etc etc but it is behind the scenes and the thing is football's moving on and United's structure hasn't moved on and it's interesting that Mourinho would come out and say that he would work with a director of football full well knowing that United have briefed the total opposite so I think there's a Mourinho's always going to divide the fans it didn't work out I don't think there's any reason for any too many hard feelings there because it wasn't all his fault in my opinion yeah it's interesting that it's almost like Mourinho was the victim of just a club that hadn't caught up with the modern way in football but I don't um, think he's caught up with the modern yeah. way of football either because yeah, he's he's stuck in the past in and the way that he was speaking on the being sport thing suggests that he has he learned anything from his failed time at United he's still you, you just know that he'll go to his next club and it seems like he's going to play the same style yeah, of football it was very Alan Partridge does, almost I, did, I didn't quit the BBC <laughs> the BBC quit me but. but it didn't work for him at United did it and he, yeah. and he named Pep and he admitted Ancelotti, to yeah Angelotti but he didn't name Klopp and Pochettino they've both managed to and I know Pochettino and Klopp haven't won things but they've, they've come they've won our hearts Sean that's all that matters <laughs> they've come and they've imposed their style of football on their football team and Mourinho just decided to stick with the style of football that won him trophies when he first arrived in the Premier League and that doesn't work anymore I guess it was naive on his part I guess maybe in general it was interesting about the director of football Samuel do you have any maybe updates or do you have any idea what, what's going on with that because was there not a suggestion they wanted someone in place by the end of last year or I think they've I think they did flip-flop over it in terms of... They, they made it clear at the time that Mourinho was in charge that they had plans to appoint one. Mourinho was asked about it once or twice in press conferences but didn't say too much. Uh, 
been at Karen's for the for the press conference today, uh, it, it was you know we were kind of reminded that uh, director of football they do want to appoint one ideally before next season, probably May or June time, so that it coincides with the new with the appointment of the of the permanent manager. So that's really the only update on it at the moment. There's there's not much else to add at the moment. They'll just be going through doing due diligence. On, on who that that individual is, is is going to be, but I think you know they found they found it quite ironic that Mourinho was complaining about a director of football not being placed at United uh, when you know even just looking from the outside and looking at his track record with directors of, of football, he doesn't he doesn't work well with them. He he seemed at his best he thrived when he had autonomy. One of the chief reasons why he ended up leaving Chelsea the first time was I think in that January he wanted to sign Tal Ben Haim but there were um, there, there were boardroom wranglings over that as well so he, his power was eroding at Chelsea in that in that final year and of course when he went back there again I think his, his last transfer window was just an absolute disaster I think was it Michael Hector Papi Julibali <laughs> uh, Falcao you know that they weren't some of them were very much his signings others weren't and I mean it, he took the opportunity to mention how he was the guy who, who signed Mohamed Salah and wasn't the wasn't the man who sold him so it's always easy to twist um you know, twist twist perceptions of, of of certain individuals when you when you come into contact with them. But as I said, yeah, I, th- I, I, did, I if United haven't got a director of football in time for the summer transfer window, then I think the supporters are going to be a little bit worried about that. Do you not just think as well that the being sport interview? I think there was undertones of him hitting back at every single suggestion about the, at what he failed at United, director of football. Oh, that not was my, my fault. I yeah. I wanted one of them. Um, Pogba, not my fault. No, yeah. I, I followed Fergie's lead. No, no players bigger than the club. Every it wasn't because he didn't mention United and nothing was directed towards them. It just seemed like all the little bits of information Slide he eggs. was feeding in. You could. And say there were answers to every, the majority of things he was criticised for. I mean, in fairness, with with obviously the director of football thing, he's he's kind of like that. That's his criticism of Woodward because he doubles as director of football, or, or certainly looking at certain targets. I mean, he's the one who could. Mourinho will say, "Well, I think you need to push about for Toby mm-hmm. Oldfield." He'll say, mm-hmm. "No, we're not going to do that." Uh, in the summer, they ended it. I mean, the drop-off in transfer expenditure in successive summer transfer windows is just incredible for a club of that size. You know, something was all right there. They ended it without two key targets. Mourinho was vindicated um, in his in his desire to sign a centre-half. The summer before that, they couldn't do anything about the Griezmann decision, uh, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, made that their mind up, made Griezmann's mind up for him then that he felt he had to stay with that less colour out of loyalty because... They upheld the transfer ban. I think Mourinho probably feels a bit bitter about even Perisic because United didn't pay the £50 million for him. But I think people rightly argue, would he really have made that much of a difference? You could see where Mourinho was coming from in that he wanted a specialist winger to provide service for Lukaku. But he did spend an awful lot of money. He spent £358.7 million. And this season, it wasn't so much the City and the Liverpool games that reflected badly on, on him even though they did because United have gone to Tottenham not just giving them a 
really good game. They've actually beaten them. But it was games like West Ham away. Oh, they've got a back three. We need to go to a back three. And you get beat. Southampton away, you know, coming up against relegation fodder. They've got a back three. We've got to go to a back three. And they're 2-0 down inside 20 minutes. So he really didn't help himself in, in a lot of areas. But I think going back to the centre-half point, what's interesting is that you look at, I think since that, that summer Ferguson left, how much City and Liverpool have spent on centre-backs. And I think City, it's something like £170 million, pounds, Liverpool, £130 million. Pounds. United have spent, I think it's £76.9 million on three centre-halves which are Rojo Bailly and Lindelof so it just goes to show that there are two sides to every story you can suit the agenda you can spin it to suit your agenda if you want to ultimately the blame lied with the manager with the players with Woodward with the Glazers it was apportioned all round but as the cliche goes the buck always stops with the manager because Charlotte, from a United point of view, you must be glad not only in the terms that Mourinho departed before Christmas and the results have improved, but would you have worried about Mourinho's maybe if he did spend in the Giants transfer window? You talk about his track record of plays he brought in. I know Samuel alluded to transfer windows at Chelsea as well, but yeah. maybe this is a margin, not only out of touch tactically, but with the recruitment as well. I just think that from what's been what's been told and suggested that the transfer strategies remain in, has remained the same and that if United were going to bring someone in in this window, it would always have been a centre-back, wouldn't it? If yeah. we yeah. understand that they're not looking to bring anyone in, no, it, would be a surpri- it would be a massive surprise if they brought anyone in this yeah, window, I wouldn't mean, it? The, the, the managerial change pretty much... I think even though they said at the time we're open for business, but it's but there's always that it's caveat. All, yeah. It's very difficult to sign this player, which is fair enough because it is really it, it's a pest of a time to try and do business unless you're going to do what Liverpool did and you think we really want Virgil Van Dijk and we will pay whatever it takes to get him and that's paid off. The problem with Van Dijk was that that was a watershed moment for United in that come the summer. They ask into how much you want for Milan Skriniar. They say seventy-six million. Um, rather naively, they start getting interest in Harry Maguire because he has a few good games at a World Cup. And Leicester say, okay, seventy-five million. It's not a coincidence that they're quoting those fees. Tottenham, you know, justifiably wanted an awful lot for Alderweireld despite his co- contract situation. And I think Woodward was was also a little bit nervous of dealing with them because they were very interested in. Um, Anthony Marshall and I think they wanted matter as well so again you know maybe somewhat justifiably would would prioritise keeping Marshall rather than bringing a defender in um, I think Mourinho would obviously disagree with him on that one uh, but it's you know certainly this month Solskjaer I think he's he said it wasn't it was, the final decision wasn't going to rest with him anyway on transfers as soon as he said that I thought well this is going to be another dormant month here yeah and I guess every big club like United can always use the phrase that if a right player comes available for the right price they can make the move then but yeah. they don't necessarily need to producer Ash has given us a, all a treat this week he's given us a quiz question to mark the halfway point in the podcast so don't answer too quickly we will be back after a short break but here's a little teaser for everyone listening to the Manchester Red podcast United had four captains in the 1990s but who were they we will be back after a short pause and you can give us our answers have a moment to dwell on this 
Hello and welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast. <laughs> Giggles all around here. We left you with the teaser just before the break. United had four captains in the 1990s. Who are they? Should we go for two each from both of you? It's easy. I mean, Bruce and Robson. Two left, Charlotte. Keane Neville. No. 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 Keane oh, and... Oh, yeah, because it's Cantona. not... Cantona. And Cantona. Oh, I'm not good with dates. We'll, we'll just have to... Just edit that out. bit out. Yeah. You could edit it out and then just pretend I said the right answer. Okay, we'll do that. I'm not sure how we're going to make Samuel's voice sound like <laughs> yours. But that's the problem for Ash to worry about. Well done if you got those right. Is that a feature that's going to be coming back, Ash? It will. It will be. It's, it's not getting edited, but we'll be having these back every week, these teaser questions. If you want them. That's reason enough to subscribe if you haven't already, isn't it? But uh, while we're on the talk just before the break of transfers, the exciting one, Samuel United have, are close to completing their first signing of the giant transfer window. Some person called Noam Emeron. Some person. I think Amiens. actually you're, you're more qualified to tell the listeners I don't think about anyone's him. qualified. So he's a 16-year-old left winger who obviously has already been compared to Marshall and Leroy Sane because yeah, everyone who's... Who the, is he, the new? He's the new. Dot, dot, yeah, dot. we've already got them. Ne- it was Neymar Sane. Uh, Marshall and Gal Kakuta who is Gail uh, Kakuta who if you don't know was a <laughs> well, failed it, it, Chelsea yeah, youngster it, it could go the way of Gail Kakuta which, so, it doesn't for him we didn't get too excited about that but as we said before transfer's unlikely this month Samuel yeah uh, I mean Solskjaer blocked uh, some some loan deals uh, a few of the more high profile youngsters had lined up I was, I was told Angel Gomez was one of them and obviously Gomez Chong Garner and, and Greenwood went on that uh, week of warm weather training in Dubai I think that there could still be some business but it will only be you know under fringe academy players who, who will head out on loan I think on deadline day last year was it Massey Willett Dimitri Mitchell and, and Charlie Scott left on loan so that with all due respect to the under 23s at the moment it, you, you're really looking at, at small fry deals happening Ethan Hamilton's obviously gone gone to Rochdale on loan and, and scored, scored a very yeah scored a very say. good goal on his debut so uh, you, you're looking at Regan Paul possibly um, he's been linked with Newport hasn't he yeah I, I know I know because obviously Willett's come back from St Mirren that he's trying to get a move not not back to Scotland this time because I think he was at St Johnston last last year so um, United are trying to arrange something for him I think his contract's up at the end of the season as well so he, he was in the, the reserves the other night he, he really needs to leave permanently and get a relatively decent club to to reignite his career because it's just not happened uh, up in Scotland yeah and I guess uh, while we're on that the under 23s played on Thursday and like, there was no Chong and Gomez in that side so another good indication that they could be involved this weekend Charlotte yeah possibly although when you um, the team news injury news that um, Solskjaer gave today you, I think he's fully, nearly a fully fit squad. It's in defence that he's uh, lacking in numbers rather than going forward. Alexis Sanchez is supposedly back after recovering from his latest setback, whatever that may be. <laughs> Doesn't sound very sympathetic, that Charlotte. I don't know what his setback. We don't. He keeps having these setbacks, and we're still apparently it's, a niggle. It's mm-hmm. uh, there. We go mm-hmm. a year on, and we're still waiting. Like. For that big performance, but that's a whole other story. So yeah, he's back, and when you've got the front three of Martial, Lingard, Rashford, yeah, picks Lukaku, itself the attacking sort of, and Alexis Sanchez is um, is ch- 
Chong gonna come on? I highly doubt it. It'd speak volumes, wouldn't it, if that happened? But maybe they might be involved in the in the squad. Who knows? I don't think so. I no, think I, you, I, I was I was looking at it, you could have a bench of uh, Romero, Dallow, Bai, Fred, Mata, Sanchez, and Lukaku, which is, is very very strong. I mean, maybe Fred will be granted some time off because his his wife's just given birth um so maybe that could let them in but there's mctominay there's darmian um who else am i missing out someone else i, I can't address <laughs> Pereira. maybe oh Pereira. Yeah. sorry yeah Pereira's there's always a few that escape escape yeah. the thoughts but yeah you speaking today you went to solskjaer's press conference what what type of mood is he i know he Gave us the devastating news that Fellaini's out for next month. No, I thought, I thought you were going to say the devastating news that Scott McTominay. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. So. <laughs> that. There was, there's, it was a bit weird that because when he said it, I, th- I thought, was he referring to he's on a contract? He's or? just been given a new well, deal exactly. not that long he, ago, wasn't he, he? I think he signed one in, it was either October or November last yeah. season until 2021. Um, but his agent was at Carrington on Thursday, which I'd have thought before Solskjaer said that that it would have just been to touch base with United to see if if he's going out on loan this month. Obviously, Fellaini's out for four weeks, which Solskjaer kind of indicates it means that McTominay's staying uh, because they they just need that that security there. I think they've got what they've got seven, seven central midfielders, which is quite a lot. So if they were all fully fit, you might have. It seemed feasible that he would have gone out on loan. Uh, the contract thing, I just, I, I can't quite fathom that. If indeed they are offering him a new contract, because I said there, there was a little bit of element, there was an element of confusion there. That why would you give a new contract to a fringe player who started four times this season? Mm. I think um, and hasn't started under that manager. Yeah, in the league, Did, yeah. is he? Started in Reading, yeah, but in the league he hasn't. He's the least um, worst midfielder that day, which says a lot. <laughs> against Reading, <laughs> he was. I, I think we tried to just banish that game from memory. To be honest, yeah. it happened. And, and, and he's also got the dubious uh, honour of. I think in all three league games he started the season, the opposition have scored twice in the first yeah. half of each game. So it's it's hard. It's hard to be hardening because it's not his fault that because he's tall Mourinho decided to put him in the first team squad and you know, he's, he's a steady player at best but I think he's he's overachieved by by even playing for the United first team he is he, I think you know he was Mourinho's Paddy McNair in in that respect so and it was circumstance that allowed him in wasn't it because, because of the, Pereira, inju- uh, the injury crisis yeah. Yeah, and the then inj- Pereira, and Pereira was went out, out on loan, loan um, which again I still think might might still be seen as the defining moment of Pereira's United career unless something drastic happens over the next year. Uh, so, yeah, that, that stood out, what you said about McTominay. Um, Fellaini, there's been a lot of speculation about his time being up at, at United. I think he is... Was it a two-year deal he signed with the option of yeah. for another mm-hmm. year? So it, he's not as... That doesn't make him as difficult to budge as... Maybe someone like Rojo, who and it still seems there's still interest in Fellaini. He's still an effective option for for quite a lot of teams, maybe on the continent more so than in the Premier League. Well, but... and for Solskjaer as well, who says he has an X factor, yeah. which uh, can be read it two ways. Either he genuinely does think he has an X factor, or uh, like his mentor, likes to talk up players before showing them the door the next week, which was you know quite. At he didn't say what his X tactic. factor was no. though, did he? Uh, probably just coming on and creating havoc. I mean, yeah. there, there I mean, are there's many... always one. 
one sort of novelty act on the X Factor every year, isn't there? Well, he, the, he might get to the live shows, but he's not going to win it. <laughs> what are you, are you trying to say that Marilyn Fellaini is the Wagner? No, or the, yeah, oh. the, no, the Wagner novelty of United. The, that, that's got a, <laughs> uh, a Daily Mail piece written below. <laughs> which X Factor? Who? who yeah, Fellaini who be? is the Wagner of Manchester the, the, United? Uh, the irony <laughs> is, like United's. Some some of United's highlights this this season, certainly the highlight, the Juventus game, he was majorly responsible for winning that game. He scored the goal that sent them through in Europe and that Newcastle game that possibly gave Mourinho a stay of execution. He had a he had a big influence in that one. He he can be a good squad player, but the problem is Mourinho just as soon as he has a decent impact off the bench, Mourinho thinks I've got to start this guy every week and no you shouldn't. He's at his best when he's underused. Yeah, I guess that is the problem. We'll see what happens. But I guess as you said before, if players are going to leave this month, it's likely maybe Fellaini and Rojo are the only ones that you could see realistically from first team. But I just, even that's a stretch, isn't it? Yeah. If if they would sell those two, they uh, you you'd be asking the question, why aren't you bringing anyone? anyone in Rojo's injured he's always injured during transfer windows somewhat uh, conveniently I think um, we're told he's got a shin injury which given he sustained that in the Valencia game last month that's a hell of a bad injury to keep you out for for over a month Uh, but he does he does genuinely have this tendency to be injured when United need to shift him and we're talking about daft contract renewals well his last March is is one of the weirdest in United history I think he started four times for United since since he got that new deal um, so he's become a bit of a immovable object uh, and, and with Fellaini I think the Chinese transfer window is open until the 28th of February so if he does want to join Moussa Dembele out there he has got an extra month to what a uh, midfield that would be I think Axel Witzel's out in and China still as well it's like a Belgian bad midfielder reunion isn't it 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 is all these past hits we shall see but uh, another game this weekend for United Charlotte Brighton Solskjaer looking for that seven wins from seven Uh, it's the type of game that maybe you would have dreaded if Mourinho was still in charge but you just have to think about what happened at Brighton last time yeah United fans are a mixed message because they did beat them at home in the FA Cup but the last two trips away to Brighton have been woeful two of the worst performances yeah. in recent years for United yeah. so I guess going into the game do you still have those in the back of your mind or do you think that the Solskjaer effect will be an easy no, I think home win especially given what's happened in the last six games since Solskjaer took over there'll only be confidence there I don't think that the defeat earlier in the season will be looming over them especially at Old Trafford you wrote something didn't you about them getting the fear factor back in the team and at Old Trafford and you can't I can't see anything other than United win yeah I guess Samuel in terms of individuals Lindelof had one of maybe his horror shows Brighton earlier in the season it's going to be quite a maybe a way a marker for him to show how far he's come this season absolutely um, I mean that August game was an absolute debacle uh, I think it was the end of the by Lindelof axis as well and and of course I think with that defeat you thought there's a chance that Mourinho is going to be dismissed early uh, early on here I think the only thing you think about now going into a Brighton game is kind of seen as a way to separate the two eras and that United could win really convincingly this weekend whereas against Brighton at the start of the season it was one of possibly the nadir of Mourinho's reign t- certainly in terms of performances um, so there's there's plenty of cause for optimism as there has been over the last month since Solskjaer came in but Lindelof was performing before 
um, before that managerial change. Thought, yeah, probably from October onwards, maybe that Juventus game against Ronaldo. Uh, even though United lost, he his individual performance was was really impressive, and he, he, I think he's becoming more extroverted. Um, I think that was possibly an issue at the start when he first came to United. He is by nature more of an introvert than an extrovert and Mourinho's preference is to have these you know, expressive these these character players players who like to get on well with each other but I think he was a bit more somewhat understandably isolated because he's come to a new club and I don't think there are any other Scandinavians in that squad or any other Swedes so you're bound to feel a little bit on the fringes but he's settled in now and uh, I think he kind of like I only noticed it looking on the highlights but Ericsson taking a second half free kick last week that went a few yards wide and then you've got Lindelof celebrating it you you could have guessed that one was a Dane and and one was a Swede so even little things like that I think um, are a mark of of how far he's he's come and he's he's been a first teamer in that defence for three or four months now so he'd hope to have a, a relatively quiet afternoon against Brighton but he can use that performance in August as you know a reminder of how how low he was back then and and just just how what a different place he's in at the moment. How good Glenn Murray is, but we'll get onto that's another yeah. podcast. But uh, Charlotte, I guess with Chelsea playing Arsenal as well this weekend, the Saturday night, uh, there is maybe pressure United to get the result. Maybe they can't afford the complacency because it's such a big weekend mm. for United, and they could really put up the pressure. Yeah, and it'll just show even in a short space of time, the big impact that Solskjaer has had. If, if it's, say, it's a draw in the other game and United can capitalise and put, they get so much closer. To, can they push into the top four mathematically? Probably not. Anyone? Probably no. would be useful no. if we knew this. But I don't be. think so, because one of them's got yeah, to... I don't think we they think they're, six points. Points. they're six points off Chelsea, Chelsea. aren't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. so even if Chelsea lose, but... Um, yeah, it just shows the intent, because if you go back to these podcasts probably two months ago... We were none of us were very optimistic about United getting top four, but now it seems a real possibility. But I don't think there'll be any co- complacency within the team because I don't think Solskjaer will let that happen. He referenced that in his press conference this morning, didn't he? About the players not being yeah. complacent, and I think it's that sort of thing he'll drill into them as much as he will the tactics on the training pitch as well. Yeah, I guess the final sort of point. So it's going to be the same eleven that we we've seen over the past few weeks. Do you think? Yeah, there's no midweek games. There's no there's no need to rotate there. Um, you imagine there'll be maybe one or two changes for that Burnley game at the end of the month because that comes, I think, three Tuesday, or four. Yeah, think, three or four yeah. days after the Arsenal match. But when you've got a winning team and he played that team against Cardiff, they they won both those games. You know, very different methods of winning those games, but that's his his first 11 at the moment you'd probably say that now Bay is available he could put pressure on Jones who looking back at the highlights didn't realise it as much but he, he was the one who tended to be giving away the chances in terms of his positioning um, against Tottenham and, and getting caught out so at the, at the current time I'd probably say that what's what's really impressive about Solskjaer is that he seems to have settled on a first 11 within what, space of a month and that was beyond Mourinho throughout the whole season he just he, he couldn't do it he was he'd make these just just these really maddening, maddening selections that you just thought what you know, what are you playing at here what what is the gist of this and 
I'd say apart from maybe right back and that that position next to Lindelof in the defence, you'd say the other nine players are absolutely certain of starting every Premier League game. Uh, it's good to keep players on their toes, and as I said earlier about the, the, the how you know the caliber of the bench potentially against Brighton uh, they're always going to be players challenging for those roles so um, yeah it's you know it's I, I think I don't think anybody's expecting anything other than a win Depends which on. is a mark of how, how mm. far they've come in this time Depends how busy the Brighton spies have been this week I guess but we shall see about that it's very very it's very, I was thinking driving into Carrington it's an incredibly difficult place to you uh, just couldn't do it you'd have to get no. a drone wouldn't you yeah and, and they're, they're banned there, there are even signs outside saying no no drones allowed so oh. unlucky Chris Heaton that was a sound bike that's going to be a good little vine <laughs> go all around the world <laughs> what else did you want me to say I don't know maybe some tactical analysis but yeah, that, well, I gave you a bad question and you, you gave did. me a bad answer yeah well, you just get what you <laughs> get what you're given my only uh, tactical analysis that I would give you is that I think while it will be the same starting 11 I can't can't see them setting up in the same way that they did against Spurs mm-hmm. playing Jesse Lingard in that role worked really well against Spurs but I don't think Brighton are going to pose as much of a threat mm-hmm. is, that, is that a better answer that is better. That, was, that was a good answer <laughs> let's hope United win then we'll be back next week to find out if they do and we will preview that big FA Cup game against Arsenal next Friday night Samuel and Charlotte thank you very much thank for you. joining thank us you. on the Manchester's Red podcast please do make sure to leave a like subscribe and a rating if you haven't already and join us again next week